0: Welcome to the Thunderstock Show. My goal is simple. Discuss topics that matter to your life, liberty, and pursuit of property. My hope is that these brainstorms provide you the utmost value. Today's guest is John Weir from Weir Solutions. How are you doing today, John? I'm good. How are you doing today? I cannot complain. It's a beautiful day in south-central Pennsylvania.
1: It really is. It feels like spring. In mid-February here today.
0: So, John, where did you come from today?
1: I came from New Holland in eastern Lancaster County
0: today. It's like a 40-mile hike up to you. Good good, uh, country views on the way here. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: you leave Blessed Lancaster, and then you get into almost as blessed Lebanon up here, and
0: it's all gorgeous. What is the area geographically that Weir Solutions serves? Weir Solutions
1: serves Lancaster County in its entirety and a little bit of a fringe on all of the counties around it being York County. Uh, I go up to Lebanon a little bit. I go over to Palmyra. I get into Berks, a little bit of Montgomery County and a big chunk of
0: Chester County. So you're in maybe five, six different counties in this Pennsylvania region. Oh yeah. So one of the things that we talked a bit about and for those that don't know, I've known John for quite some time. I love John's social media. Um, you started Weir Solutions in 2019, right? Uh, So
1: I think Weir Solutions, it, it was originally Dutch Country Customs and I started that way back in like 2012.
0: That was your first business that you was, started? That was
1: the very first thing Oh man, I didn't know that. Yeah, see, like, that's that's back before things got serious, so... What did you... How'd that become, and what'd you learn from it? So, Dutch Country Customs was a child's effort to open a business and try and make some kind of money with no knowledge of anything, and it wasn't exactly as good as it sounds like it would have, and... uh it it was a really fun hobby as a teenager and early twenty year old to like have a business to play with part time. Okay,
0: but while you worked full time, yeah, while
1: I was working full time and everything, it right. was just like something to do on the weekends and evenings and stuff. And originally, I was doing like handmade arts and crafts that my mom would sell at her stand at markets and stuff. That's where I started <laughs> doing woodworking for, for to sell. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, in the markets that she was going to, it wasn't bringing much money. So then I stopped producing those. And then I, I realized that in manufacturing, the there's small profit margins because you have to produce much to gain. Or I could go out for five hours on a weekend and I could make the same profit providing a service for my community – that I did for three weeks of retail arbitrage. And that completely flipped the script on how I intended to make money because I worked for hours and hours over weeks and made hundreds of dollars or I went out on an afternoon and made hundreds of dollars. So that's when I abandoned the retail arbitrage and uh, I started – so that was still Dutch Country Customs even as I shifted out of retail arbitrage – because then it was Dutch Country Custom Services. Okay. And it was – I was an extra set of hands is how I marketed myself. Yeah, okay. A- anything that There's I could people do People needed
0: an extra set of hands. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, one of my first clients that I spent days and days with, um, that was a construction company supervisor that blew his back out Oof. lifting up a 20-foot long 2x12 by himself one day when the rest of his crew left the job and he blew his back out. So they paid me for six days to go and shovel dirt out of their garden. And that was that was the thing that made me realize that like there's a lot of guys that would have been able to do this or they wanted to be able to do this. But he lifted something wrong 10 years ago. So now he can't mm. do this.
0: So we talked a little bit about – so for those that are wondering how do I know John Weir, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a, is a wonderful community building and just all-around tool for – individuals to get healthier um, inside and out. We met through Brazilian jiu-jitsu. John, you were telling me a little bit about your physical fitness and your philosophy behind that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that ties into a lot, a lot into why I keep doing what I do and why I'm able to keep doing what I do when other people see what I do for 12 hours a day and I'm able to do that. Most people would have had to stop at seven or eight hours, and they would have been sore the next day. When I can repeatedly do twelve hours at doing the same tasks, I can take eighty-pound bundles of shingles thirty feet up a roof all day, and then wake up tomorrow and go roof that. Um, So, you know, I made the comment earlier when we were talking that impact is bad. Sure. So, uh, like we met through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which they claim is the gentle art. Which is debatable I think, but I think you can at least say that there's not impact or there shouldn't be impact.
0: They prioritize leverage and technique, which if you're lifting heavy things, using leverage and technique will save your back.
1: Yes, very much. And
0: uh Yeah, so because you were telling me that you do a exercise routine several times a week, which is designed to have you in your 30s be able to do what you were doing in your 20s and still do that same amount of load until your 50s and up.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I
0: find that really interesting because a lot of people that do exercise do it either to be better at sport or to try and obtain mates uh, and become physically attractive yep. or to build big muscles or lift heavier weights. And you're like, hey, I, make, I don't get paid if I can't use my body. So my goal is to continue getting paid to use my body. That's it. Yeah.
1: So, I um, I've been working out three to six days a week for the last three or four years or whatever. Like I, I I'm not super consistent on uh, on short periods of time, but I I make the sure. The long haul. Yeah, I, that's where you're average.
0: Yeah I, yeah, I
1: don't I don't let myself go outside of that range of fitness that I expect myself to have, mm-hmm. and um, I have increased my chest press from uh, 35 pounds to 60 pounds over the last uh, three years or whatever. So where – like how much are you doing for your bench or your chest press or whatever? Well – So you're a lot bigger and stronger and handsomer than I am.
0: (laughs) Uh, Debatable. I am bigger. Yes, I weigh more. My bench press best ever was like 335. But I also don't try to ever do like one rep maxes anymore and I was heavier at the time. I was like almost 230 pounds at 5'8 and only going for strength and and that kind of uh, goal. Since then, I would say I had a series of doctor visits and injuries unrelated to weightlifting that have made me think more in a line with you, which was like, hey, there is a lot that is risked upon injury. So uh, mitigate bad results by increasing likelihood of uh, long-term health. But yeah, my bench press probably today two seventy-five, not too bad.
1: Yeah. See, I couldn't there when I walk in to uh, to the gym, I can't even imagine putting up more than eighty pounds on the bench because, like, really, there's there's no situations that I need to do more than that on your day-to-day on my day-to-day now. I need to be able to put 80 pounds up on my shoulder and take it wherever I need to go. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one example of my conditioning paying off is uh, I was on a a small restoration service over in Chester County. Uh, It was when that big flood in 2019 happened. We had like five feet of water up over... Oh man! Yeah, in, in Chester County, I, I think that, that was five oh one. I think it is. It, it it was five feet of water. As I was going into a paint store to buy my products for the day, another painter was walking in, coming back from where I was going. So he left this paint store that I just walked into, and he was going to the same area that I was going to, and he couldn't get there because it was under five feet of water. I went there anyway. And I ended up throwing picnic tables off the road back into the river that it had washed up so that I could help clear the road. So like we could start to get around this community. And then my client ended up being put onto an island because of this flood. So no vehicles could get to my client's house. I ended up having to park my vehicle half a mile away. And I carried all of my equipment and materials through the woods and through a creek to get to that house to make sure that I could serve my community that day. But it was like 200 pounds worth of gear and equipment. I was painting a whole foyer. So like I had scaffolding sitting there waiting for me that I had to go set up that day yet. And everything got done and deadlines got met. But there's a lot of people that wouldn't have thrown the picnic tables back into the river, and there's a lot of people that wouldn't have hiked through the woods and gone through said, a creek. All right, that's a day. Yep, they would have said, "Oh, okay, I'll serve my community when it's easy to serve my community." Interesting. And uh, so the the one the one thing that Weir Solutions brings is there's not a day to not serve the community in the.
0: So ha- I want to I want to stop you because I think this is incredibly interesting. So Dutch country customs, customs with
1: K's country and custom were spelled with
0: K's because D- Dutch Dutch country custom services. Then you started working quote unquote for the man. You had like a yeah, pretty so- extensive career. I don't want to say working for the man, but working for like corporate. Yeah.
1: And, and high-end
0: like, manufacturing there. Yeah. Okay. So you were doing kind of similar things. Yep. Like, lear- like you're still learning and getting more tools in your belt. And yes. you know, working tons of hours in, in the – not quite construction but the manufacturing and – Yeah. Like factory work and manufacturing and, and high-end production,
1: stuff like that. How did Weir Solutions come to be? 2018, I had five employers and – Four of those companies, I had left because I I, I recognize patterns. I can recognize patterns fairly well. Mm -hmm. So I was at a company for a couple years and I'm seeing patterns. So I left. And then when you're leaving on your terms, people think that's good. So I left company one in 2018 and I went to company two. And then I'm at company two for like three months. And it's like, oh, wow, this is not – so organized and I've seen this before. This is about to turn upside down. I'm going to hop shit before it goes under. So then that company ended up going under like six months later and I was glad I got out. But then mm-hmm. I went to another company and then um, the I, I wasn't too fond on the management structure there. Mm-hmm. It, I, I felt like it was a bit counterproductive. So I opted out of that as well because I it's not no, – no amount of money is worth being that frustrated over. Sure. So – I jumped that ship and then I went to fourth company and uh, I took an old supervising position back at a local manufacturing facility and they were hurting and a guy that was supervising maintenance became the plant supervisor in my hiatus from that company and then when I was at company three, I go back to this place and it's like, hey man, how's everything going? And He says, oh, uh, when do you want to start? You know, your your old position's open. I was like, oh, dude. Well, this company actually just kind of put me in a position I could probably start in like two days. And he's like, oh, no way. Okay, well, I can't have you start tomorrow because of paperwork and stuff. So yeah, let's start you in two days. So then I went back and I was supervising again, and uh, that was a company that is constantly kind of jumping through the hoops of new private equity companies purchasing mm. without a complete understanding. So every time the company gets shifted into new hands, new people want to tighten up the reins on things Mm. without understanding like the foundation problems. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so with, uh, with previous guy that I'm familiar with being the plant manager, he asked me if I would be willing to do the manufacturing Mm. supervising again. Good things were happening. We reduced scrap. We increased production, but, uh, he wasn't able to like squeeze these numbers out for the equity company. So then they started to assign advisors to our company on their behalf. And then they started to mention devices that don't exist in this realm of physics. And when, uh, when plant manager would be explaining to them that what they're doing is against the laws of physics. They would condemn him and they would get real condescending, explain that like he just doesn't understand how things go and we just have to buy the products that they're
0: telling him to buy and everything will be better. And then things wouldn't work out because – The people that have been there with continuity, who have an understanding of the operation of the business – are being talked to by either consultants or, you know, P.E. advisors. Yes. And there was this sort of visionary leadership disconnect. And I'm sure you saw that was happening. Yes.
1: Yeah, yes. So I was discussing this the whole time with the plant manager. And uh, the biggest red flag on that was I was in my department I'm doing all the things and then the new chief of operations comes up to me and he starts asking me how I feel about the way the plant manager is running things and what I would do differently. And I knew that things were increasing and I knew that we were working through the challenges that we were facing and I knew what he was getting at. So I reassured him that I think plant manager's doing great and uh, there's a really good chance that if he has to go – there's a good chance that I'm not going to fit either. So that kind of laid my cards out for him. That So uh, hindsight 2020 came about. He came to talk to me about that when he had already decided to replace that plant manager. So by me saying that like if he goes, I'll go, that meant like situations had to start – getting created to push me out mm. so they started to like uh, shuffle help out from under me and have me supervise plus manufacture plus assist other departments
0: so you like three jobs
1: yeah and then I was called into a meeting the one day and I explained to them that I couldn't go meet them right now because of the workload and uh, that triggered like an
0: instant termination
1: for insubordination.
0: And we are back from our break. So where we left off, John, you were talking about how you were in your stint in 2018, I believe 2019 era. um, And how basically working for private equity or working for the quote unquote man just wasn't, uh, wasn't taking you to Tuesday in so many terms.
1: That's right. So, after uh, after taking a termination in 2018, I ended up trying to uh, look for other employment and after going to an interview, it was the first uh, in-person interview I had after the termination. Uh, after I explained the situation of the termination and the previous employments before that, the two guys interviewing me kind of looked at each other in a way like uh, they weren't too hot on what I was selling. So – I kind of had the realization that if you have five employers in one year and your most recent uh, ship jump is because of a termination, you're probably not going to get employed. So I kind of had the realization that if I was going to keep getting food on the table by next Tuesday, I was going to have to start finding my own work. And after 12 years in various high-end manufacturing mm-hmm. environments, I've learned so many different processes and techniques and stuff. And... uh if you're doing anything at a high enough level long enough, you'll understand that high-level things happen because of a process, not necessarily because of one single technique. So then I started to advertise services as we're Solutions, as a handyman, and that's when I started subcontracting under some bigger contractors. They would take me out on other projects, show me some things I didn't know. Uh, I got hooked up with another general contractor after my first six months doing it and he ended up showing me the back end administrative and the business end of contracting and I was subcontracting for him pretty solid for like a year and a half before COVID happened and everything and uh, we had work going into COVID but then after like 10 or 11 months of COVID slowing everything down, it – it eventually caused this kind of triple threat for him, that my primary contractor, where uh, if he was getting the work, he wasn't able to get the materials that people wanted. And if they would compromise on the materials, they would be six months out. And if they were willing to compromise on the materials they wanted and when they wanted it done, the price of those materials were so inflated mm. that if they couldn't get what they wanted – When they wanted it, they didn't want to pay twice as much for that. So work came to a screeching halt. And Mm -hmm. at the time, I was still employing that uh, philosophy I had told you about at Sushi years ago, the 75-25 split. So I still had a three-month backlog of work that was Mm -hmm. my 25% workload. And when his workflow stopped, I was able to shuffle Mm – all of my backlogged work into my schedule. Mm. And uh, so COVID creating the material issue is actually what pushed Weir Solutions into success. No way. Yeah. Uh, So I was able to get off of bigger projects and start focusing smaller projects. On your own 100%. 100% on my own with low overhead in a way that I was able to... Uh, I was able to over or outperform bigger companies with a lower cost because of their overhead, and then that created a reliability and a desire for my services, and uh, and that's where I started that value building with all the relationships in Weir Solutions, and uh, I spent the next three years running Weir Solutions as a handyman service, mm-hmm. uh, so. The big thing that kept Weir Solutions moving, I believe, is I always focus three different packages basically. And the way I explain those to a client when I'm out on a consultation is I have three types of clients and it's all based on cost. So we have cost effectiveness, which means we need that bottom line to be the smallest. Mm -hmm. We have cost efficient, which means we're willing to spend a little bit more money Bottom line doesn't have to be the smallest. It can be a little better or a little higher rather. Mm -hmm. But the value is exponentially larger. So maybe if we spend an extra $100 on that bottom line, you get an extra $500 worth of value or Mm -hmm. uh, like issue prevention in the future. And then that third type of client that I run into is that cost irrelevant where there's no – They have a
0: dream. They're willing to invest in making that dream reality. Yeah,
1: so – their focus point is they want what they want and it doesn't matter what it costs. Mm. So, in, so I found that if I was able to figure out which type of client I was talking to each time I did a consultation, I would be able to better suit each client's needs. And by focusing on those three different types of clients, someone always needs something done cheap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's normally people that want a good value and sometimes you run across somebody that has more blessings than they know what to do with and they're ready to share them. Mm -hmm. So I found that if I always accept cost-effective and cost-efficient work, I'll always be serving my community Mm -hmm. and in the event that I have an extremely blessed client – that has a cost-irrelevant approach to a project. Now we're able to do great big things that cost more and it brings more back in and the extras that come off of that get shuffled right back into those cost-efficient and cost-effective jobs because there's leftovers and things get passed on. But one thing that kept me from growing, I think, and so th- this is getting into the development of Lancaster Full Service Painting now. Okay. So when I was only operating as Weir Solutions, I was Weird Solutions for all of your problems because it's always something. There's always something going wrong. There's always something that you wish could be a little bit nicer, and I can always show up and give you a couple options on how to make it better. Mm-hmm. But what I ran into is. The branding for Weir Solutions is a little tough to break into an open market because of the vagueness of the description. It's Weir Solutions for all your
0: problems. What does that mean? Yeah. John Weir solves your problems.
1: Yeah. Right. So a lot of times what I would get is I would have a client reach out to me and they would say, hey, it looks like you do really great work. Can you come out here and fix my wall? My drunk cousin fell into it when we were having a get-together last Saturday. Oh, yeah, sure. I come in. I remove the damaged drywall. I replace the drywall. I tape everything. I mud everything. I get it to a level 5 finish to the point where you can't even tell that somebody's shoulder went through that wall. (laughs) And then at the end of the visit, I go to uh, offer continual service. Mm -hmm. And I say, so, this, this wall looks mighty fine now. Would you like me to come back next week to paint it? And... 90% of the time, I would be told no because they already found a good painter. The good painter doesn't do repairs though because they're a good painter. So I needed to fix the problem and lay a foundation for a good painter to come in to make it look nice. Mm -hmm. And what goes through my head is generally a painter can do some form of light repairs. But – there's no painting companies around that do that if they have to call me to fix everything before these painting companies can come in. And the problem that created for Weir Solutions was there was a, a foundation you're, issue. You're
0: being an extra set of hands for somebody else doing the work that you want to be doing. You That's like it. you like to be doing, you can serve people doing you when you first started, you were an extra set of hands because you were younger you want you wanted the experience as a hobby almost that's it, and you didn't need the experience so much, but now that you have a lot more experience solving all kinds of problems, you're older you can do so much more and you want to do so much more, so it's another rebrand in a way, right, yeah,
1: yeah, so the 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 problem that Weir Solutions faced was that Weir Solutions would get a call, and then Weir Solutions would consult. Uh, the a big focus of Weir Solutions is transparent service. Mm. So, I don't come in to any project trying to get you for more. I want to do whatever I can for you right now, and if we can continue a relationship, that's even better. And when I would do a repair. And go to continue our relationship They would already have Another relationship set up For when our relationship was done And what that did was I was enabling another company To come in And get after photos of a project Where they made it look beautiful So Weird Solutions would come into a mess And fix the mess And lay a foundation To make it look beautiful But it wouldn't be beautiful when I left then somebody else would come in to a beautiful foundation and turn it into a beautiful result. That other company gets all the credit for that and Weir Solutions wouldn't get more work because of that. So hmm. now you fast forward a couple years and uh, about a year straight of being constantly told that they didn't need me to paint after my repairs because they know a good painter. They just couldn't fix anything. I was on vacation with my best friend up in uh, Acadia National Park in Maine, mm-hmm. I believe due to your recommendation actually. Cool. I, I think I, – I'm pretty sure you oh. were telling him about yeah. Bar Harbor.
0: Uh, I'm a big fan. <laughs> Maine is nice. Maine is nice. Uh, beautiful, so beautiful, 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 beautiful. It is. Adirondacks and then you have the Pacific Atlantic – or not, not the Pacific – the Atlantic Northeast Yes. that is so sparsely populated but – that people understand that, like, yo, there's things to see.
1: there, And you can see more up there because the trees are shorter, I think. I, it's, it's beautiful up if there. You love but, it. You love yeah. it. Yeah. So we were up there on a, a weekend getaway up there, and I was hanging out with my best friend, looking out over the Atlantic. I think we were sitting on Otter Point on, at Acadia, and uh, I was looking out over the ocean, and I was thinking, like, what am I going to do when I get home? We just had – a day and a half of driving, we're boondocking around uh, the down east region of Maine. I need something to do when I get home. I had off work for those couple days. I had a couple things booked up for the next week, and I had a couple weeks lined up. But like, I, I needed a project. What am now that my head's clear, we're on vacation. I'm not stressing about my workload. Now I wanted to start thinking forward, and I just had this epiphany that maybe if I started a full service painting company. I My clients maybe wouldn't have to hire another painter. Mm. Maybe instead of hiring just a painter and just a repairman, maybe I could get into a, a little gap there where people want all of the services from one company with a focus on the finished product. So that's where the epiphany came in for Lancaster Full Service Painting and uh, that's what happened. So that was that was end of July. I came home first couple days of August, whatever we got home and I just started focusing on forming Lancaster full service painting. I uh I got a couple jobs done, saved up a couple bucks, hit my accountant, had him form everything, uh filed the doing business as. So it it's actually not a separate entity.
0: Mm-hmm. It's uh, just DBA.
1: Yeah, it's just yeah. DBA. And then now my, my direct service marketing to my end clients is through Lancaster Full Service Painting and Weir Solutions is becoming more of a
0: uh, personal brand.
1: Yeah, yeah, almost. Where like a lot of people are still thinking of Weir Solutions as me and all of the things that I do where Lancaster Full Service Painting is kind of going off in another direction where that's not just me. I'm not the only one performing that work. Where, like,
0: yeah, you're, you're starting to grow to a point where you can afford help and you can yeah, grow like, your staff.
1: Weir Solutions is when John Weir was having all of the marketing ideas and all of the sales ideas, mm-hmm. but now that Lancaster Full Service Painting is in play, Stockdale Marketing's helping. Yeah, now you're right. a part of the team, and now there's a framing company that's a part of the team, and there's other painters that are a part of the team that can come in on bigger commercial jobs. So like, Because
0: one of the things that you touched on earlier in the conversation is that you are very, very cost focused for yourself as well as your customers. I know people that are in trade businesses that they charge a premium price, they do a good job, but I understand their personal lives, they can spend a lot of money. Like they need they have a high overhead for their personal lives. Whereas when you treat your personal life like your business, and you're like, let's get my monthly expenses as close to zero as they can go because for you, the experience of doing a good job and serving your community and being a good friend, being a good father, just having that um, – I almost want to say like spiritual connection to what you do on a daily basis enables you to keep your cost low because you're so focused on the service, I think, is my observation as someone that's known you for a while. That and, is a big focus of it. And it makes it a lot different from a from a value-add perspective if you're going up against competitors because you're not focused on how many projects you can get, how big of a project bid you can put out. You're focused on the projects where you can provide the most service. That's it. You want to provide the most service, get paid fairly for doing the best job. Right.
1: Yeah. It's not like I never get outperformed, but it's not all the time.
0: And – it's um, but your value is probably where your sticking point is. Well, yeah, you yeah, might absolutely. get outperformed, but you will be the one doing it. You will mitigate the risk of subbing out, like right. Sometimes, absolutely. Un- un- Let's just be frank. You know, in the trades, there is a frequent, there is a pattern of sometimes people being uh, morally ambiguous. Yeah, But that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas with you, you've told me stories, and I can attest to people have left their child unattended. Like, Hey <laughs> <Yes>. John, this <laughs> yeah. kid's going to be here for a little bit. I got to run out. And you're like, as lo- okay, as long as you're cool with me not touching it.
1: Yeah. Like know. if your kids, st- so yeah, yeah. Th- further explanation and They're like, Yes, on that. please
0: don't touch my kid. And you're like, good. I have no intention of touching your kid. Yeah. And you have this agreement of trust.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was doing work. <laughs> I was, I was doing work on a project for a single mother and, She forgot something at the store and the baby baby was sleeping and the toddler was running around. And like – yeah, see the trust is the big value because like it doesn't get breached. Where (laughs) she came into the room that I was painting and she said, hey, do you mind if I run back to the store real quick? And I thought she said – I thought she said that coming from a place like I'm leaving you in my house by yourself. I'll be back. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to be here doing my thing. And she was like, OK, well, do you mind if I leave the kids here? And the baby's okay. sleeping. So I had to confirm with her, like, I'm here working. If your kid can stay out of my way and like be where they won't get hurt, that's fine. Because if your kid gets hurt while I'm here, I am not going to help your kid because I'm here <coughs> to work. You should be parenting <laughs> Please don't leave me with your kid all the time, but it happens
0: sometimes. Sure. And and to that point, I I feel like one, it takes a lot of trust for that customer to say that. <laughs> Two, you professionally set boundaries.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't want to babysit while I'm painting. That is not
0: preferable. So, from from Dutch country custom with K's, yeah. Does I don't even remember the Dutch name. country customs with K's. Dutch country customs with K's. Two Weir solutions. The Langer full service painting. The self employed thing I feel like was always in within you, and it just sort of through environmental factors and you know different places where you said, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm putting my foot down for what I think is right." Yeah. Whether that is increased client service, or whether that is Uh, Transparency and and moral values with leadership. You know, you've kind of stepped up and been a leader for your own household, for your own family, for your own business, now bringing on people and also in your own community. Um, What do you think is the most valuable takeaway in the last three years going all in on Weir Solutions and Lancaster Full Service Painting? As far as business goes, I mean, you learned a lot, but if you had to boil it down to, you know, a short sound clip,
1: I'm gonna say in the last three years the the greatest thing that I probably took from doing business in the last three years is you face a lot less stress when you serve your community with the expectations of being served in return
0: hmm interesting. can you expand upon that
1: uh so um my my philosophy on serving the community is that I believe that if you wake up every day and go out into the world with the intention of making things better, you will always receive the provisions you're
0: due. Do. You don't like you super believe in reciprocity. I don't know like what the, that means. <laughs> it means. If I do the good thing for you. Then good thing will happen to me. Yeah. Okay. Some, yeah. In some way or another. So, and you have complete faith that that is one hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So, like um, one relationship I have with a guy in York. This is a guy that I met through politics. Sure. Him and I met doing trash pickups. Okay. We're just out there serving our community. Yeah. On days' notice, they could send a text out, and. If I didn't have a community member to serve, I would leave my community and drive 30 to 50 miles to go and pick up trash in their community. And then after about a year of this ongoing relationship of us picking up trash together, my van had a misfire. And I couldn't make it to one of their affiliate meetings. So instead, I got in on the Zoom call. At the end of the meeting, because I don't like official business, you may have noticed. (laughs) I like the big fun times more. So I attend the business Business things. Business on your terms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, like I attend the business things so that I can have the big fun time. So (laughs) I checked in at the end of their business time so that I could talk during big fun time at the end. And half the people there were saying, John, we wish you were here. Why didn't you come have big fun time with us? So I said, oh, My van that I use every day for work has a misfire at highway speeds right now and I need to troubleshoot this issue. Uh, So I need to work tomorrow because I always need food on the table for next Tuesday. So I actually couldn't come and hang out because I have to work close to home Thursday and Friday or Friday and Saturday, whatever it was. Next two days I had to work so that I could pay for the repair on the van. The next morning at 8.30 a.m., I get a text from one of my dear friends in York and that affiliate and he texted me a picture of a Chevy Silverado that he had sitting around for two years and asked me if I wanted it. What? Yeah. So he gave me a Chevy Silverado 2500 with a utility bed on it because he knew that if it was sitting in his driveway, it would rot. Or he could give it to me while I was in a time of need, and then our community could continue to be served. So he handed me a Chevy Silverado. My van went to the shop and got fixed. I ran the Chevy Silverado until the van was fixed, and now I had another vehicle to run out of.
0: Powerful story. Yeah. So, like, you picked up trash for two years for a, it was like a year year and a half yeah quality, just at least a year for the sake of picking up trash for, yeah because that was the reason you did it was not for any return the yeah. reason you did it because it, it felt like the right thing to do to serve the community yeah i really and like that and then getting, you needed help and the community says hey i have a truck I have here, a truck here's some service for you in return and there was no planning that wasn't in some sort of financial diagnostic yeah, no. model yeah that was just like hey doing the thing is the reward will, will get is the reward yeah do, do the good thing serving the, good the community re- the good is reward it, will come back yeah like stress not yeah right um interesting yeah I, no I love that it, it, it's so it's so simple but yet so forgotten yeah because everyone's always like what have you done for me lately what's in it for me yeah mentality but then there's a disconnect between them and the, the community if that's the way that it is that, yeah it's big selfish time. Yeah, and and there's it's okay to be self interested because it, serving your community is in your best self interest. It is
1: having the support of a community is more of a support than you'll have anywhere else. It, uh, it's that, it's that voluntary association mm-hmm. that that everything rides on, and uh, there's the concept of union.
0: Mm. You know like together we stand that is a real thing like uh but finding that authentically in the world that is hard that is the that is the tricky part that right? for really so many is. people because so many people will say I'm an eagles fan liking a professional sports team is my community, but the issue is like yes, you can financially with your time and your money and your attention support a thing, but like how does that thing support you back?
1: yeah, right. Yeah, like that's a good point. Like that a true is a really community
0: serves you back.
1: Yeah. like, See, like I, I look at the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu community as a part of my community and I look at the Libertarian Party as a part of my community. And I look at all of my business relationships as yeah. a part of my community because when it comes down to it, I had a roof leak and I complained to it to my primary contractor and he came out and did an $800 repair on my roof. For a high five. Jeez. But at the same time, when I see my primary contractor's truck out on a job site, I do not drive past. It doesn't matter how many – we are currently three and a half or four years – no, maybe two and a half or three years out from the last time we went out on a project together. But one time I saw his truck, so I stopped to make sure everything was all right. Because you check in with your community, you never walk past your community. Love that. So I saw his truck at a job. I saw him up on a roof, and I hollered at him like, "Yo, man, is everything good? I'm done my work for the day. Do you need anything?"
0: Mm.
1: And he said, "Dude, you know what? Um, I actually could use a, a. Do you happen? That's what it was. He said, "Do you happen to have your framing gun on you? Because my stapler's broken." So he was putting down plywood and he had a construction stapler. His broke, I just happened to have $400 worth of equipment sitting in the back of my van when I stopped to say hi to him. So I was able to save him half an hour of hand banging nails in because I walked over to my van and said, oh, yeah, here's his tool. Run this real quick. He went and finished his job with it. He then hung out with me for 15 minutes since he didn't have to bang nails all day. We caught up on business ventures and everything like that. And then we realized like, oh, man, there's a big project coming through. We need to talk about something. And then we set up another date and we went and got lunch. And then we discussed another project, which actually tied into some of the Clipper Stadium stuff.
0: I will say to that reciprocity point – when I first started going into business for myself in 2019, I had like an epiphany where I was either going to work for a Fortune 100 huge company and make lots of you know big corporate money with leveraging my experience, I was progressively more and more, or I was going to work for myself, and I was going to make money for me. And I kind of decided at that point like caught my eye. decided at that point that I was going to work for myself. And before I, I even went really public, or before I even started any idea of a sound venture, you're like, hey, I've been going at it for myself for a while. I understand you're you know I was in sort of a bit of need because the startup phase where I was on my own like there wasn't like money coming in. I was living off of savings and you know I had a mortgage and yeah. all that stuff to pay
1: and you're like hey
0: let me get you sushi and like we just had like lunch and you kind of told me about yo things will be all right like here's how it's going for me and i i heard you know the first part of our podcast i heard it from you right when you were going through it and like that optimism and that like willingness to just help no matter what i'm like a dime and then i mean i shortly after that a couple of weeks after that i started a private equity firm and did that whole that whole roller coaster ride of just you know crazy working and servicing and all that and I came out the other end, you know, after I sold my stake in it and started my own thing and I'm like, "Yo, let me have sushi with you." And I feel like just that relationship of offering to get someone lunch. You know, we were friends, but I feel like after that point we became even closer because we we had this community involvement not just from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu but small business ownership. Yeah, and it's just been a good voluntary relationship since.
1: I think that sushi date was definitely like the the establishment of the business end of the relationship. Yeah, because like before then it was like online yeah. we would like it's comment like and, and yeah like memes and like uh, America's the best and yeah liberty and all the things. But then yeah like relationships change. I think once you uh, once you bring the business into it because I- now it, it's. And like, you define
0: uh, your community. Yeah. You're like, hey, here's what I stand for. Here's who I am. Here's who I plan to serve and how. And then like, the community goes, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's good. Yeah.
1: And then they let me go back to my shack on the hill in the woods out in the county. Yeah. And they leave me alone and I love
0: it. That's good. Um. I guess another question I'll have at, at this point, John, is what does the future hold? Like, you know, obviously there's so much – that can happen. Like, what do you, what do you hope to happen? What are you working towards happening?
1: Right now, my big focus is on developing Lancaster Full Service Painting mm. to be the best painting service that ascends the handymaning. So, uh, I'm trying to focus on getting out into the community more, and I want to take on more responsibilities for the community. And then once I have enough of a backlog for responsibilities and service, then I would like to start bringing on more trustworthy people into these projects because there's a lot of trustworthy people in my community and there's a lot of people outside of the community that could use the help of the community and I would like to – so – right now I'm working on developing systems and processes mm-hmm. to streamline my services. And I'm trying to work with you here on figuring out marketing approaches on how to get out into that community better. And I, I want to see more happen for the community of uh, one of my big goals this year I, uh, I just signed a corporate membership agreement with Clipper Stadium and cool. the Lancaster Barnstormers. Uh, I'm going to be putting up man hours for, uh, for coding services to protect their assets. Mm-hmm. And, and in exchange, I got uh, a decent corporate package with it. And that allows me to take my clients into an atmosphere where we can relax to discuss projects. We'll be able to go to marketing events to meet other small business owners within the community to hopefully serve. Uh, I think there's a lot of good opportunities that will come from that. And uh, see, in that in itself, that's uh, that's a trade. That, that's a, another community service trade right there because there's mm-hmm. no money exchange in that. I'm serving the ballpark, which in turn serves the community as a networking hub.
0: Entertainment, relaxation, big fun time location. yeah. yeah. And then you get to reap that by having a place in the ballpark to bring fun times and in people into that community. That's and, right. And then even you know promote your services in that location. Yeah. So that's an interesting – I mean that's a very – a lot of companies wouldn't take the time and the effort and the energy to do that. They would say, take my money and then take that money and give me like a billboard or give me like – you know, commoditize that money. Yeah. Whereas you're like, hey, take my most valuable asset, which is my time, and allow me to amplify my impact in the community.
1: With that's it. it. Yeah, because uh, I I feel like the more people that know that I'm here to serve, the better mm-hmm. because that's more people I can serve. When um, when I go out into the world every day. So uh, this is a big philosophy thing right here. This is a sentence that I say – Out loud and in my head. I say it in my head multiple times a day and I try to say it out loud once a day. And that sentence is uh, my declaration of intent. Okay. You you can't do anything if you don't have an intention. Mm -hmm. So you need to know who you are Mm -hmm. and you need to know what you're doing. My name is John Weir and my intention in this life is to improve the quality of the life I live and as many lives around mine as possible. I am John Weir. There's no other one. No no one my ideas are the best ideas, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and And if they're not the best ideas, then they clearly don't belong to me.
1: Yeah, they they didn't come from this end.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, they came from somewhere else.
1: Yeah, somewhere else. Some deep deep dark. And my number one intention every day is to make my life a little better. Mm-hmm. That's it. That is a, a self-interest. I want my life to get better, but
0: uh but I wanna you want to be around people that also want their life to be a little bit better.
1: Well, yeah. So like, there's there's an interesting give and take in that because and see, like that's where that reciprocity kind of comes philosophy. in. Yeah. Um, sometimes people get in pinches. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a pinch, we're going to say you're in a hole and sometimes someone could walk past you while you're in a hole. Mm -hmm. It is nothing to bend over and give someone a hand to get them out of a hole. Right. It means everything to that person that was in the hole because they would have never gotten out of that hole by themselves. But you could put minimal effort into getting them out of that hole. So if I can put minimal effort into making a major impact on your life right now, maybe you don't do anything for me today. And now we have the concept of a favor. That I have no intention of calling in. Mm -hmm. I did something for you for the sake of improving the quality of your life today. And no matter how we cut that pie, you know that I did that for you.
0: You can't undo that.
1: Yeah, I can't unhelp you. I'm not
0: pushing you back in the hole.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm. I'm getting you to make it even. Yeah, I'm. I'm, And then I'm walking
0: away. Yeah.
1: Now you're out of the hole.
0: Now you didn't pull someone up and say, "Give, pay me right now." Oh no, put them back in the hole. Yep, you're back in the hole. They're out of the hole. Yeah, you're now going back your day.
1: Yeah, and. (laughs) I had no hopes of a payment for getting them out of the hole. My purpose of getting them out of that hole was someday I will be in a hole. You'll be in a hole someday. And if I help enough people get out of enough holes, maybe one of them will walk past me as I'm in a hole and maybe they can put minimal effort into making a major impact on my life. I love that. There's no expectation because expectation is a thief of joy.
0: And it, and it breeds resentment. Yes. Because if you don't yeah. get it, then you're not happy.
1: I, uh, so like a major Buddhist philosophy that I always loved is uh, roots of suffering. The, the biggest roots of suffering are expectations and desires. Mm-hmm. And if you desire expectations and you expect desires, you're just compounding that suffering.
0: So One of the things about desire that's funny is you can – there's two ways to, to get out of desire. You can either not desire the thing or you can satisfy your desire for the thing by obtaining it. Yeah. Now, what you're saying is I want to ha- – you want to have as minimal desires as possible and make sure that they're obtainable.
1: Yeah. 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 So like my biggest thing is like that next Tuesday we need food thing. That's yeah. – that is like the basis of everything.
0: If you desire to serve your community, you can influence whether or not you fulfill that desire by yeah. serving your damn community. Yeah, yeah. Like and what <laughs> I found over the
1: last couple of years is like all I have to do is wake up when the sun gets in my eyes, and I have to go, oh man, it's light time out. My community's awake. I bet they need help. And then I I leave.
0: And then you go and try and I, to do that.
1: Yeah, I go and I, I find a community member that needs some help. And then they tell me what their problem is and then they tell me how much it's worth for that problem to go away and then if it's worth my time, then I make the problem go away. Right. And then they reciprocate that by making my money problem go away. See, like I don't have problems. I have solutions. I am weird solutions.
0: Mm.
1: My problem is money. <laughs> I don't produce it. It has to come to me from other places. Right. Right. So I have to leave my shack in the woods on the hill out in the county and I have to drive down my treacherous driveway and then I can, I'm out into the world. And once I'm out into the world, I can find someone that has money and I can do something for them that makes them want to give it to me. And if you do good enough things for people, not only will they want to give you money to solve this problem, if you solve that problem well enough – And don't take too much from them. They will want to give you more money to fix more problems. Mm -hmm. So if you create that value where the problems you solve are valued to them more than their time or what they get for their time, they'll trade you. Mm -hmm. And now you have that price point concept.
0: How many times it do you really, want to mess really up is. this wall before
1: you call me and let me fix
0: it in an hour? It really is the fundamental of entrepreneurship, which is finding a problem and creating a solution for that problem. It is not looking at every uh, issue as a as a nail, and you're just a hammer looking around for nails to whack. You know, you're looking around for environments that are distressed and relieve them of that stress. Right. And one of the things that you found is that not only do you want to relieve the stress, but you want to make them beautiful. That's it. So that's that's where We Solutions came from and is going. Um, smiles on faces. Smiles on faces is an easy it is an easy thing.
1: And one of the easiest things that I found in sales is that sales are exponentially easier easier to close while someone's smiling.
0: Yeah, and I think when people look at sales as like a dirty profession or whatever negative connotation, it, there's a difference between helping someone and manipulating someone. Yeah, and that is with and that is why some people give sales a bad rep is because they want to do they want somebody to do a thing that may not that thing may not be in their best interest. Yeah, but if you want to help someone and you're like, hey, do this thing, it will help you with your problem then you're just helping and it's not manipulation. It's like facilitating, improving your community.
1: The words of my paint rep that I like a lot is one thing that he's been driving home to me is I didn't come here necessarily to sell you anything. I came here to talk with you about a series of problems and develop an approach to solving those problems. And if you hire me to do that, that's just like the cherry on top. Right. I am here to help you. And if you choose to continue a relationship and we start to share funds or whatever, have, you know, exchange value, that's great. But I always show up with the intention of helping.
0: Mm-hmm. With whatever no
1: expectation like. of being compensated. And yeah. I think when you can get to the point where you can – be excited to perform acts with no expectation of the back end. You'll be in good shape.
0: That's the scariest thing for people because that's the faith thing. That's where faith comes involved.
1: Yeah, and yeah. that gets sketchy. So, like, my whole business venture was actually a kind of a leap of faith, and um, a lot of my uh, a lot of my philosophy and the way I carry out business is actually like according to religious teachings and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't see her this terribly often, but when, uh, in 2018 there, when I went to that interview and wasn't even considered for employment, my, uh, my kind of ego moment was like, huh, if scripture says, if you do all these things and all these good things will happen, then in theory, I should be able to just wake up every day and go serve my community and all these good things will start happening. And it was like it, – it, it was like um, – it, it wasn't in good faith that I started doing it. It was almost like pff, if all these people from all these times tell me if I just
0: keep doing the right thing. You were good testing things, faith. Yeah. But true faith isn't faith unless it's tested. Yeah. So Because then it's just um, – there's a difference between faith and certainty. Yeah, right? I wasn't certain. So, like, certainty is either a hundred or zero. Faith is this gray in between, where th- there is there is. Uh, I don't want to say risk. Well, yeah, I mean, you're risking yeah, your faith. Yeah. You're risking your your time, your energy, your whatever everything you believe was wrong. Yeah, what if everything you believe is wrong. But like, what if you, everything you believe is right? That's it. And if you're right, and if everything you believe is right, then you're serving your community, and then you're getting served by our community yeah yeah Like that's a good belief to have because if you're right then like things work out better for everyone yeah right exactly you know and if you're wrong well then you just serve your community and then you're in a hole nothing bad happened and like okay I'm in a hole now yeah well then okay what happens if you're in a hole well then you gotta figure out how to get out of the hole yeah and the belief structure around that is well okay um, how do I serve people in my community while I'm in this hole
1: yeah see like I think a major thing that people don't realize is there's no hole that you can't serve your community out of. Wow. Because, like, if you're in a hole and no one's stopping to help you up, it's because you're not putting forward or you're not presenting a value for them to get you out. Someone gave me a Chevy Silverado because they knew if my van wasn't driving, no community got served. If I don't have a car, I don't help anybody. If I don't have a car, you can't call me for help. It is in everyone's best interest to make sure I have a set of wheels because five feet of water won't keep me from
0: painting your dining room. And painting your dining room prevents mold which me preventing mold preserves your health. Yeah. For example. Yeah. yeah. Or making your space beautiful preserves your mental health and your self-worth and your dignity. Yeah. See, like, we, yeah. See, and, like, I, we that, talk. and like that space, that environment doesn't get preserved unless you can yeah,
1: preserve it. And I, I need to get there. So like I need to be able to get there. So mm-hmm. I need a mode of transportation and physically I need to be able to get there. I need to be healthy enough to wake up that day, get up and then go serve you. If I don't eat healthy, if I don't condition every week, if I don't do all of the things that make me have – like there's a there's a hundred things that we can argue have made me able to serve my community every day for the last seven years without a day off.
0: Not being sick one time. I haven't
1: – yeah. And so my I credit that the most – or I credit that most to intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like that's – That's how I manage my nutrition Mm -hmm. and uh, I guess the process I follow, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know how you want to describe that. Yeah, But uh, yeah, there was – there's like a series of very simple processes that I put in place because I believe they solve the problems. They put out the fires. Um, Before intermittent fasting, I would get sick once a year. Common. A lot of people do that. A lot of people get sick once a year. But I made one minor change seven years ago and I haven't woken up since thinking, huh, I don't want to serve my community today. (laughs) Every day I wake up and I get to see the sun rising up over the hill and I go, huh, there's still a whole community out there that has money for me. It
0: turns out (laughs) that if you become hungry – if you don't eat, then you become hungry. That's it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: to simplify the intermittent fasting and serving community. Yeah. Um, John, I will I will say that I want to help you serve your community. My job as a marketing professional is to make known. Uh, that is a con- la- largely considered definition of marketing is to make something known. Another, condition, another definition I like of marketing is to make people want to do something. So um, hopefully by doing – this conversation with you, putting it on the internet, it helps to make you known, helps make other people in the community want to request your services so that you can help them out of holes and then in return they can support Weir Solutions and Lancaster Full Service Painting. How can they reach you when they're in need? How can people listening to this reach John Weir and all he has to offer?
1: So uh, I forward all calls, so definitely don't call me. Because that doesn't work. I, I can barely even get back to checking voicemails. The best way to reach out to Weir Solutions or Lancaster Full Service Painting is going to be going to com, and at the top of the landing page, there's a box that, with a link in it. It says, click here to book or schedule your consultation and everyone gets a free in-person consultation. It's kind of like a service consultation to make sure that we'll be a good fit to work together. Uh whenever I go out for a consultation I kind of bring some of my product like uh information sheets out mm-hmm. and kind of give people an idea what kind of products I work with and then I like to get an idea of what the project is and then I uh I always try to give at least two options which is uh another jiu jitsu philosophy that I took from jiu jitsu right
0: yeah, don't... Uh,
1: There's always two options that away from catastrophic failure.
0: Right. You can either submit or escape. Yep. Or prevent. Or prevent. Awesome. Well, everyone listening, you know, appreciate you listening. If you like this conversation, reach out to me if you want to be on the show or share it with a friend. Uh, like and subscribe, all those things. And thanks for supporting The Thunderstock Show. John, it was a pleasure having you on. Always. And uh, we'll continue to serve the community, my friend.